Welcome to episode three of Casting the Net with Father Dave and Rick. Ladies and gentlemen, this episode is really cool. I got to say, Rick digs pretty deep in this one. I mean, they both do as usual, but I tell you what, Rick, just uh, his, his theological background kind of comes alive in this one. Um, lots of great stuff here. They, they talk about life through faith and how Christ reveals man to himself. Uh, understanding happiness, what it means to be a man or a woman, acceptance of the mediocre when we've really been made for something else, right? Uh, the spiritual versus physical realm and the tension that it creates, teaching you know certain truths to our kids, authenticity versus hypocrisy and attitude and the culture of individualism. So again, some pretty deep topics we're covering here in, in the matter of about 15 minutes, um, but we hope you enjoy. Casting the Net, Episode 3. Hi, I'm Father Dave Nuss, together with Father of Four, Rick Lingva. Welcome to Casting the Net. We are in search for catching the faith. Friends, I'm Father Dave. This is Rick, and we are so delighted that you are joining us again to participate in the conversation that we're having about life and life being experienced in its fullness through faith that we have received. Uh, There's no other pathway for meaning and happiness and fulfillment than through the adventure that is faith. Mm. Yeah. um, You know, the Second Vatican Council, really important event in the history of the church, you know, mid-20th century event. Um, Probably everyone in our our audience has heard of it. Um, One of the, I think, one of the most important lines from uh, the documents of that council is that Christ reveals man to himself. You know, Christ, Christ is the authentic man, or, or we might say, um, this expression doesn't appear, uh, at least not in this section of the, the, the um, council documents that I'm referencing. He's the second Adam. Yes. You know? Um, well, what does that mean? You know, instead of assuming hmm? that everyone is familiar with that, what, what are the... What is the council, what is the church getting at by explaining when it, Christ in that way? When it, when it says that Christ reveals man to himself? Yes. And then also as the second Adam. The second Adam. Um, that Christ, you know, by, by watching his example or, or learning from his example as it's presented in Scripture, we learn how to be authentically human. You know, we, we learn um, how to live a life that is happy and fulfilled. You know, it's, it's one of the great, I think, brilliant insights that St. Thomas Aquinas offers. Um, he points out that all human beings seek happiness. Like in everything we do, um, the primary thing we're aiming at is, is, is we think it's going to make us happy. You know, even, in, even if it's in some perverse way, you know, even if we have distorted views of what happiness is, we're doing something because we think it's going to make us happy on some level. Um, but, but, but there's the rub, right? It, we, we all too often have perverted understandings of happiness distorted understandings of fulfillment. And so we look to Christ, who is more than merely a man, to learn what it means to be a man or, or a woman. Of course, I'm, I'm using you know, non-inclusive language there, but you know, it's, it's in, the, in the ancient sense, a human being. Yeah. How starved we are for that truth to be before us mm. each and every day yeah. in our culture. I mean, the ones that we place before us as the examples to achieve, um, the models to follow, are deeply uh, broken, to say the least. Right. (laughs) And there's one 
who is the ultimate, who is the perfect, and who calls us to imitate him and makes it possible by means of his very grace. Yeah. Well, it's reminiscent of a, a point you made in one of the earlier um, episodes that, you know, the, the models that we set before us today or that so many of us seem to set before us today, um, they're, they're pretty shabby. They, they set the standard, yeah. they set the bar really low. Yeah, there is such a clamoring for the mediocre. Mm. And maybe, maybe clamoring is the wrong way to describe that. There is an acceptance of the mediocre. Mm. I mean, when I'm in the mediocre, I'm not feeling fulfilled. Right. And yet I'll excuse it as saying, well, it could be worse. <laughs> right? No, so therefore, that's... I'm just going to settle for the oatmeal being cold. <laughs> and I'm just going to grind it out. And I'm going to finish it up. And yeah. I'm going to be miserable because of it. Mm-hmm. And yet we've been made for something more. Mm-hmm. So for, for happiness or blessedness. It's the same... It's the same um, truth that Christ himself proclaims at the Beatitudes of Matthew chapter 5, right? Happy or blessed, Mm -hmm. blessed you, blessed you, that it's an elevated life that God has created us to be able to pursue and to achieve with his help. Mm. Why do I settle for ho-hum? You know, it's, I don't want to be too long-winded in my, in my, um, my thoughts here, my, my answer to your, your, question, but Thomas Aquinas says some really interesting things on this matter. And, and again, I was, I was trained in Aquinas, so that's, that he's my main reference point theologically. Um, he talks about, in, in one of his arguments for the existence of God, and he's got several, um, he points out that, look, if, if God really is infinite and um, omnipotent, and he, he doesn't exist in, in, in the, the created world like Zeus and Poseidon do, and he's going to create something besides himself, to, to share his goodness with something besides himself. Um, of course, God doesn't create himself, but that's beside the point. Um, he has, what he creates has to be more than simply one thing, because one thing couldn't capture adequately God's goodness and beauty and his power. So he creates a world with a lot of different strata of things. You know, he's got rocks and inanimate objects. He's got really simple life forms, more complex life forms angels in the spiritual realm and then sort of bridging the spiritual realm with the created realm, the, 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 the physical realm are humans, right? We we're, we're, we're both physical. We, we are bodies and we're spiritual too. We have souls. Like we're not just one or the other. I'm not, I'm not just a soul that's trapped in a body waiting to escape it. Um, I'm not simply a body. I'm, I'm both. I'm a composite. Right. And so because of that, there, there's like, there's like a tension within us, like the tension, um, between you know, the, the drive to push upward, like to, to, to you know, more, more spiritual matters, um, you know, and then the tendency to be pulled downward to just a creaturely level. Yes. Right? And, and that's, that's a tension that's made worse by original sin. Yes. You know, like sort of our, our, yes. our, our damaged sense of priorities. Um, and Satan has a hand in all of it too, right? I mean, he's out to create a caricature of us in the created order by tempting us to, to live strictly in the creaturely realm. Christ heals all that. I mean, that's, that's the whole point of the incarnation. That's the whole point of Christ's life on earth is to heal us interiorly so that we can keep our priorities straight, so that we can, we can understand that, yes, we are, we are physical creatures and our, 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 our physicality is good, but not just. You know, we're not just physical creatures. We have, we, have, we have spiritual needs as well. 
um, and those have priority. Yeah. You are hearkening the Genesis account itself, the Genesis testimony, the first book of the Bible, in the, in the very created order that God chooses to make happen, and in the elevated status of humanity, ourselves, uh, the mm-hmm. ones and only ones who have been made in the divine image, the ones right. and only ones into whom the, the very breath of God has been breathed, you know, the vitality of the living God mm-hmm. received, and therefore, we have been made for greatness, mm-hmm. but a greatness not in a worldly sense or in a, in a, um, in a viral sense mm-hmm. or some sort of sensational fashion, but in greatness that has to do with the liberation from all of those restricting feelings within us that just want to lead us into being ensconced in the mediocre, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, right. And settling for it mm-hmm. and being miserable. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, the picture of the human person as, as the Catholic tradition paints it is just such an astounding, beautiful thing. Right. And so to, to, to harken back to um, a reference we tried to make in an earlier episode, we, we, we found out it was Leon Bloy was the, oh, uh, yeah. was the, the French, uh, the French playwright and poet who, who correction. Said, yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> Wikipedia is an amazing thing. Isn't it? <laughs> shh, <laughs> shh. Uh, you know, the, the only real tragedy in life is to to fail to be a saint, right? And that's that's also you know if, if we're we're just throwing out famous quotes here, that's for a similar reason. Thomas Merton, um, great twentieth century monk, you know, writes wrote did write a lot of uh, really popular works. Um, remarked that there's there's not been a nuclear weapon devised. It's half as destructive as one mortal sin. And that's because of uh, the damage that sin does to the beauty of the human person, right. the, the disfigurement that it causes. Just assuming, that, assuming that what Aquinas laid, what the, you know, the, the, the picture of the human person that I just laid out, um, according to Thomas Aquinas, is true, as we see in Scripture and, and in other uh, you know, figures from the Catholic tradition, if all that's true, that yeah, would make sense that one single mortal sin would be devastating. You know, just terribly destructive. How do you, let me, let me drill a little deeper with you in very concrete ways. How do you take these truths and teach them to your own kids? That is a great <laughs> question that I don't know if I've mastered. Um, luckily, or maybe not luckily, but, but at this point, my kids are young enough that they're looking for examples to model you know so it's at this point it's up to me to interiorize these things that i these truths that i love to talk about and actually live them so you know we've we've discussed the importance of living the faith um it can't just be it can't just be a bunch of uh of of intellectual mental stuff it has to be it has to cash out in in me living a life that has changed and and you know the kids have to see that out of you. Out of me, right. As dad, as husband. Right. How you treat mom. Right. How you treat others. Choices that you make. Right. Um, so primarily that's what's going on right now in my house. At a certain point, you know, the kids are going to have the uh, the typical questions about the faith and about, um, you know, philosophical stuff that all teenagers wonder about eventually. And I, I, I hope I'll be equipped to uh, to give satisfying answers. But right now it's a matter of um, practicing what I preach. Um, living those things that I, I, I hold to be true. Um, 
to making sure the kids see it. Yeah. Yeah. In, in tandem and partnership, of course, with your wife. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. You know, oftentimes she's far better at it than I am. So <laughs> I'm a very, I'm a very blessed man in that regard. Yeah. 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 We can't, we can't overstate the importance of um, integrity and authenticity. Uh, there's nothing more off-putting to me than uh, someone who is telling me to do something and mm-hmm. clearly, clearly doesn't hold that to be true. Yes. We have real radar for hypocrisy. Yeah. Don't we? Um, and it's not a bad thing. You know, I mean, hypocrisy really is off-putting, but, um, yeah. And, so, and, that, and that's what that is. That is an example of hypocrisy. Hypocrisy yeah. from the, right, from the Greek theater. Uh, an actor. Right. Someone who's... The, the mask uh, the, wearer. The yeah. mask wearer. The, yeah. the one who is is intending to purport to be what they are not. Mm-hmm. Right? That's different than sinner, right. which I am. right falling short of the mark right needing forgiveness Mm -hmm. wanting forgiveness seeking it and then trying again so that's different as an aside typically our parishes whether it's little flower christ the king or wherever the case may be it's not a group of hypocrites Mm -hmm. it's a group of sinners it's those of us who present ourselves at the beginning of every single mass Mm -hmm. First, pining for forgiveness so that we can have the right disposition to receive the one who is love, body, blood, soul, and divinity. Right. You know, as we said last time, you know, there, there is no growth without openness. You know, there is not uh, um, friendships don't flourish without that, uh, that vulnerability that, yeah. that's being confessed on our parts. When I asked you about what do you, what do you do with the kids, I also find that I give counsel, and correct me if this counsel is um, incomplete or wrong, mm. but counsel that I offer to uh, maybe parents who are just, I mean, they're really trying hard mm-hmm. to do the right thing, that there is a power that you discover by networking, if I use that word, with other parents, connecting with other parents. Church at its best is designed by Christ to put people together to share the journey, mm-hmm. right? Not to graduate from it. <laughs> that's, that's 100% the case, you know. And, and you, as, as we've said, you have, to, you have to share the burden with others who share your priorities. You know, I mean, that's, that's, how, that, that, that's also how, the, right, discipleship, yes. you know, growth, yes. spiritual growth happens in community. Um, and if you're, if you're really concerned about, or if you're, if, if, if perpetuating the faith, carrying on the faith, sharing the faith with your kids is really a priority, um, that has to happen in community too. Yes. And, and you do it with, with like-minded individuals who, who share those, uh, those commitments. Yes. And I, I also, I, I participate in that, uh, with friends like you mm. and also with some different circles of priests. None of these are assigned. All of these are necessary for me mm. to um to be reminded that i'm not alone right which is gosh that's the devil's absolute number one aim mm-hmm. if the if first to uh divide and then to conquer mm-hmm. right and to, again the self-absorption it's only me woe is me nobody understands right. <laughs> no one works so hard no one has so many etc 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 right mm-hmm. and i have to make Conscious choices, deliberate choices, intentional choices to be connecting with, in my particular case, other priests and pastors mm-hmm. on, a, on a trustworthy level, 
on an open level and a vulnerable level and with some regularity. Mm-hmm. And I know that the Lord uses me as well to help them in, in addition to my being edified and fortified through them. Sure. And for me, you know, everything, I would second everything you just said. Um, another challenge that, that I find, um, you know, kind of vexing at times is just the general attitude in the culture of, of individualism. Yeah. Um, it's in the air we breathe. And so it's hard, you know, even for someone like myself, who I, I think I'm, I'm fairly sensitive to it, to, to, to weeding it out yeah. um, where it doesn't belong. Um, it still seeps in. Yeah. You know, it seeps into my spiritual life. Um, and as you said, it, it's, it's, it's a matter of being conscious of and cognizant, cognizant of the fact that Christ establishes a community. Yes, his, his body, um, and even prior to all that, I mean, most of who we are comes to us through community. We're born into communities unwillingly. Like I, I didn't choose to be a part of a family, but I am conceived um, through community. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, union of, of husband and wife, um, raised in community. Uh, so it's so it's inescapable. Nat- we, naturally, it's we inescapable. Definitely, in our culture, we so have that radical individualism. Mm-hmm. You know, don't tread on me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Um, but we can't get away from it if, yeah. if we're being honest with ourselves. Yeah. And so why should, um, why should our spiritual pursuits be any different? Yeah. Something, something as profound and important as growth and holiness, why would we expect that to be any different than um, you know, natural growth? Yeah, the tension. The yeah. tension is. Friends, he's Rick. I'm Father Dave, uh, a husband and a dad, a priest and a pastor, together trying to become better fathers. And so grateful for you sharing in the conversation that, that we continue to have casting the net. Friends, he's Rick, and I'm Father Dave, a dad and a priest, together trying to become better fathers by catching Christian faith. Thanks for joining us for our conversation, and we hope that you'll connect with us next week for Casting the Net.